Well, welcome back to the Holy Ship Podcast, everyone. Today, we are joined by Jess from Pain-Free Intimacy. And Jess is an occupational therapist who graduated from the University of Florida in 2014. She has a background in working with patients with chronic pain and chronic illness, which after eight years of struggling with vaginismus is what finally led her to healing. She now works as a vaginismus coach to help women, particularly Christian women, heal from the emotional and physical pain of vaginismus. So welcome, Jess. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Lydia. I am so incredibly excited to be here. I really appreciate all that you guys do and just the message that you share with this incredible podcast. So thank you. So just to start off, we would love to just hear a little bit more about who you are. What do you like to do in your free time? What got you into this work? Why did you start posting about vaginismus on Instagram? Ooh, so uh, yeah, my husband and I got married in 2011. So 12 years next week, actually. Wow. Um, And I have the best husband in the world. He really is the most incredible man. So kind and so patient and so supportive. And um, we really just have fun together. Like we are best friends. We love traveling together. We have a sweet, sweet golden retriever. We just love to go on walks together and explore through the woods. And yeah, we are best friends. And so marrying him was a dream come true. And, um, you know, we, I think dated for a little over three years before we got married. And then when we got married, you know, everyone's like, we waited for, we waited to have sex until we got married. And, you know, you expect us to be like this amazing fireworks show. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible, but it was incredibly painful also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't exactly what I had expected. Although I was told by many women, oh, it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. Um, I just thought that was something like you kind of check the box. Okay. Had the pain mm-hmm. move forward. Um, so it didn't, it continued that way. Um, well, continue that way for eight years for me. It was four years before I found um, a doctor who would actually listen to me. Um, and he threw the word vaginismus out and then sent me off to pelvic PT. And then four years after that, I was still doing pelvic PT and still um, working with dilators and just trying to break free of this. Um, yeah. It, it was hard. It was really hard for our marriage. Um, we had a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, again, my husband's incredible and super patient with this, but I reached out to a couple people at church and was not given like the best advice. No one had a category for me. Mm-hmm. And anytime I would talk to even like my family, it would just be like, well, sex is supposed to hurt. And that's just, you know, you need to try X, Y, and Z, try more lube, try um, different positions. So I just, I'd never met anyone else with this and i never knew this was okay. I just thought I was, this was just how it was going to be. And, um, that, you know, I was just that woman that couldn't handle sex. So that's honestly like a, a part of my story is eventually like I was able to take what I was doing with occupational therapy and my patients and who had chronic pain and chronic illness. And I was finally able to take a step back and realize that the conventional treatments for vaginismus with the dilators and the pelvic PT were good, but they were not comprehensive enough to help um, the whole issue of what vaginismus is because it's way more than just a vagina problem. It is a Mm -hmm. whole body problem. So once I was able to apply the work that I was doing with my chronic pain patients, I was really able to just move past it almost in a matter of months. It was incredible. And so a few months ago, I was talking with a woman from church and I asked, you know, how can I be praying for you? And she opened up and I admire her courage, but she opened up and said, I, will you just pray for me? My husband and I cannot have sex. Mm -hmm. 
And I got so excited. I was like, oh, yay. <laughs> I couldn't either. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry for you, but mm -hmm. I couldn't either. And um, just the story that she told was exactly my story. Just being mm -hmm. gaslighted by doctors, being told to watch porn, being told to just drink more wine. And it broke my heart that she was going through what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be there for her and tell her, you can heal from this. You can move past this. Yeah. You don't have to uh, su suffer in silence. And no, this is not your normal. And from there, we had conversations and I realized there are so many hurting women out there. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, I was also reading um, The Great Sex Rescue, an incredible book, and reading that more women um, within the church or have vaginismus or painful sex than mm -hmm. outside the church opened my eyes to realize, like, I've got to say something. The church is not answering this question. Yeah. So that's when I started an Instagram account. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of threw some stuff out there and within a week, the amount of messages I had of desperation of, oh my gosh, how can I get past this? Oh my gosh, tell me your story. I've never met anyone else who's had this. And I would just at long, long paragraphs full of tears. And, um, I looked at my husband and was like, I want to help. I want to do something. And so we decided we were going to start pain-free intimacy. And so now I coach and help women move past vaginismus. And we use a comprehensive holistic approach to do it instead of a kind of just a one-stop shop, try to treat the vagina. We've, we do something that treats the whole woman and not just the, the vagina. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. that's so incredible. I also love that, you know, in your experience, you didn't have a lot of people that you could talk to, especially within the church about this, but then God totally used that to help you with this woman's prayer request. Like that's just so incredible how he is orchestrating all of that. And he really does, you know, now before I get online, it's hard. It, one of my hardest things is finding people like my friend from church yeah. um, because vaginismus is so private um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's not something we feel comfortable talking about and for so many reasons, but honestly, now, before I start <laughs> any of my working for the day, I pray that the Lord would just bring people that he wants to cross paths with me. And he's answered and showed up in that in so many ways and just the right woman coming and talking and just opening and being able to partner and come beside and see people get healing. So yeah, the Lord has been very kind and he, he sees, he sees us and he sees us hurting and he wants us yeah. to have great, amazing, passionate, fun sex. And so it's not, he's not blind to our, our hurts and he'll get, he'll bring the help, um, how he sees fit. And I just pray that I can be a part of that. Yeah. This is kind of off topic and. I'll just test this one and then I'll actually get back on topic. But what was your faith journey like while you were struggling with vaginismus and having these conversations or lack of at church? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good question. So um, my husband and I were actually, um, my husband was a college pastor at our church. And so we did a lot of discipling and shepherding, um, young couples and been in a lot of weddings, which is a blessing. Um, so I did feel like I had to have my act together. I did feel like, um, I, you know, it was hard because you don't, there's this like stigma where you shouldn't talk about sex if you're not married. And so with our engaged couples, it would be like, okay, here's how it works. Here's what you need. Here's some lube. Don't think about it too much. And then it'll work. And I just, I've always felt this dissonance. It's like, this is not like, I, I did not need that. I needed someone to be more open with me. And so I started trying to be more open with women. And for a lot of my engaged women, I would, um, buy them this big sex or 
wedding night sex kit, which is mm -hmm. everything in it to try and just like make it fun and yeah. relaxing. And I, I would put painkillers in there um, because that was my experience. And everyone says pain, sex is painful. And I actually was just in a wedding a few weeks ago and I did not put painkillers in there. And I told her sex should not be painful. I'm not going to put painkillers in here. It's, it, it's, I'm not going to support that narrative yeah. um, because that was the narrative that was supported with me. So I did feel like um, my faith while going through this was I needed to just almost like pretend like I was great because yeah. we were the college pastors and we were supposed to be an example. And, um, our marriage had ups and downs and, uh, you know, it was hard to like reach out, um, because we were supposed to be a certain way. We were supposed to be leaders in the church and the people I would reach out to would act like it wasn't a big deal. I had two extremes. I had the people who acted like it wasn't a big deal, like just suck it up or mm -hmm within the church that told me this. Yeah. Um, and then I had my sex psychotherapist who told me that we had to do some deep hypnotherapy work to find out when I was sexually abused as a child. Mm -hmm. So I had on one sense, people saying, oh, it's fine. And on another sense, it's like, no, your condition is so bad that only girls who have faced intense sexual mm -hmm. trauma have it. So I just didn't know who I was or what was happening to me. Right. Um, and then to be told like sex is a gift from God, but none of my sex life to this point felt like a gift from God. It, um, it felt like the Lord just skipped over me. Mm -hmm. Like everyone else got to have a great experiences with maybe some pain, but they worked through it for me. It's like, why am I still suffering this Lord? Like, what is, why, why is this like such a point of contention? And, um, I just, I let, I was left broken. And one of my friends, one of my friends took me to a, um, a prayer event at another church that I had not been to. And, mm -hmm at that prayer event, um, it was more charismatic and they brought, they were doing these big prayer requests kind of things. And they, my friend brought me to the front of the church to be prayed for. And, um, the lady who started praying for me and expressed what I needed prayer for, like I was having painful sex. And the lady who was praying for me started, <laughs> she took my hand and started hitting my hand and just saying in the name of Jesus, this demon will leave this demon will leave the oppression that she faces from this demon will be gone. Mm -hmm. And now I was like, Oh my gosh, not only am I so messed up that um, only children who've been sexually abused have this, but now I'm demon oppressed mm -hmm. and that's why I can't have sex. And so I just, Lord, am I demon oppressed? Am I so messed up? Like, what did I do? Like, why are you, um, why are you not allowing me to have this gift that you mm -hmm. so beautifully said you've given like you read song of solomon and it's like that is not my story like that is not there's so much reasons why that is not me and so yeah i i struggled i struggled with yeah what's wrong with me and why don't you love me now i can see the work that the lord was doing in our marriage through that like we matt and i are just so close and like we have gone through so much together through this and many other things but vaginismus part of my huge story is vaginismus helped open my eyes to who I am, who I am, who do I see myself? How do I see myself as a woman? How do I see myself in terms of like, even my sexuality was huge. And then how does the Lord see me? Like he is, he sees me as a sexual sensual being and he designed it that way. Um, so learning to embrace that really helped me grow confidence. And then part of my story too, is it helped me realize even just like the I'm also an intuitive eating counselor. So it helped me to see the disordered eating habits that I had in my life. Um, because 
what do I believe about myself in terms of both my sexuality and my body image? Where are those messages coming from? And why am I believing what's coming so externally, whether that's purity culture or diet culture or whatever? Why do I believe that to a point where I question my identity before the Lord? Um, so anyway, vaginism has allowed me to do a lot of inner work about who I am as a daughter yeah. of Christ and how did the Lord see me? And growing through that has really changed um, gosh, my relationship with the Lord, myself and my, my husband. So yeah. loaded question. I appreciate yeah. that. Sorry for the long response, but wow, it has been quite a journey. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that, like, I didn't like preface this conversation with that type of question, <laughs> but I'm like, very glad you said that. Um, I think that's really helpful for everyone to hear and actually talk about. Um, and I think a little bit later in the episode, we'll go back to kind of the church narrative and like conversations around this, but part of the reason you reached out to be on the podcast was because Megan Trainer recently came out saying that she has struggled with vaginismus and that she's still struggling with that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just curious, how do you think society responded to that, but then also how the media has portrayed vaginismus and also like the discussion surrounding that? Oh, Yeah. <clears throat> So first, I do want to applaud Megan Trainer for opening up about this on her podcast and to the media, um, because for any of us women who have struggled or are struggling with vaginismus, we, it is incredibly personal. Like it's okay to share about um, your infertility. It's okay to share about pregnancy issues, but we don't share about intimacy issues. So I and I know Megan Trainer does a lot with like birth and motherhood now, but just the fact that she shared about vaginismus specifically, yeah. I certainly applaud her. And I thank her for opening up with that. Um, so I think society probably was shocked by that. Uh, I think we think like um, maybe some more popular pop stars who are open about more sexual things, mm -hmm. just sex comes easy to. And that's a stigma I think we have as a society um, that the more open you are, the more easier it is and the more practice you've had. So I in one sense, I'm thankful that now as a society, we can see that vaginismus isn't just a practice thing, a try harder thing, a, you need to be good at it. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I'm saddened because society's response, um, wasn't very um, aware of what vaginismus is and not very open to considering that this is an actual medical condition. And this is, this is not something that it's just like, um, she, you know, <laughs> There's, there are some articles out that talked about how vaginismus or Megan Trainer's condition was just like, oh, she just has, and I apologize for the language, but she has a tight pussy. And mm -hmm. I wish that my wife or my girlfriend would have that too. And that yeah. is not what vaginismus is. And I would never wish vaginismus on anyone, mm -hmm. especially for somebody else's pleasure. Right, um, right. So I think on one sense, like society got to see that vaginismus and like painful intimacy is a real thing um yeah. that everyone can experience but also unfortunately it was taken uh not very seriously and it was kind of made fun of and um my heart breaks for that because I think like it shows a greater systemic problem of just a lack of concern or understanding of mm -hmm. women's health yeah uh, I think women's health gets attention when it has to do with um pregnancy so anything from infertility, like I said, to yeah. just prepping your body for pregnancy and nurturing a pregnant body, and then um, making sure delivery and birth is great. 
but that's the end of women's health. Once that baby's delivered, now we care about the baby and we don't necessarily care about postpartum care or can you transition back to sex after that? And we certainly don't care about sex before getting pregnant. Um, If you have a problem, it's put right into the infertility category and not into um, like things like vaginismus or vulvodynia or other conditions. Um, So it breaks my heart to see that as as a society, and I think the media portray this too, that just women's health is just very, very narrow and continues to be placed into the box of pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and there's so much more to women's health. Uh, I would actually put breast cancer. I think we do a lot of good with breast cancer. Um, yeah. But between the outside, the two of those, we just, we don't know, we, we don't do it justice. Um, and I think we're seeing that in the media and Megan Trainer's response to mm-hmm. vaginismus. Yeah. I think something that was really striking to me, I, um, oops, I have a pop-up coming up. There we go. Um, so I first heard that Megan Trainer was talking about this because Hannah from the Say What podcast posted on her story about it. And then I was like, oh, interesting. And I did like a quick search of like Megan Trainer vaginismus and all the like top articles that popped up were talking about congratulating like her husband or like something to like that because she did talk about how he has like a big penis or whatever, or like that's like, part of the reason she like she wishes like he was smaller different things like that but then all of these articles congratulating him or all these tweets congratulating him on being well endowed versus like addressing the larger issue here and I think so many people just kind of skipped right over her talking about her struggle with this and going to that or again talking about like her size you know so yeah it was just like absolutely crazy and like heartbreaking Mm -hmm. that that's the response and with some of the women that I've talked, you know, that I work with that have vaginismus, that's mm-hmm. similar. Like they'll open up to their family and they'll say like, oh, so we just got diagnosed with vaginismus. And immediately the family will look to the husband and be like, I am so sorry. You've not been able to have sex with your wife. And it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, who did you just miss the whole point that she is an yeah. extreme pain mm-hmm. and that she is the one suffering. And, but immediately we turn to like, how's your husband dealing with this? So I think, yeah, that's just, I mean, we do operate out of a patriarchal society that defines sexuality yeah. and, you know, in PIV or intercourse is what's defined as successful sex and great sex. And that is all penis driven. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it doesn't, I guess I'm not surprised that like you're saying the media just immediately turned to yeah. her husband being well endowed and having mm-hmm. a large penis and um, congratulating him and even praising him for having a wife who's got a tight vagina. Like that's mm-hmm. so great for him. And it, yeah. yeah, it just further fueled the, uh, the narrative that we live in a patriarchally driven sexual world. And certainly yeah. us women just take a back seat to that, which, uh, is just a downward spiral that contributes the narrative that sex is painful and that we just need to please. And we need, especially within the church, um, that we need to not um, deprive our husbands because it's all about making sure that mm-hmm. penis in vagina intercourse is great for yeah. the male. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Did you listen to the episode where she was talking about this? Um, I listened to parts of it. Yeah. Okay. I didn't listen to the entire episode though. I'm curious. I haven't listened to the entire one either, but from all, all the articles I was reading, it seems like the doctor like told her that she has vaginismus, but there wasn't necessarily like a treatment plan afterwards. Yes. I was trying to see too, like what's her plan. And I have not mm-hmm. seen anything. I'm sure at this point she's been 
reached out to by everyone right. in the world. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but I don't, I wouldn't be surprised because, and yeah. also what I saw in um, news in the media, when they were interviewing people about right. vaginism, because of course, every news agency wants to talk right. about this hot topic. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell that a lot of them just scraped around to find any gynecologist who'd be willing right. to talk to them. And then us women who have vaginismus know, I mean, for me, it was four years of trying to find yeah. a gynecologist who could help me. We know that unfortunately, a lot of gynecologists just don't have a category for vaginismus. They know that maybe it's something that exists. Um, they can, they know the DSM definition where it's like, okay, if you've had six months or greater of painful sex, it equals vaginismus. Great. Here's your diagnosis. Something about dilators, maybe, maybe some pelvic floor PT. Now, now go yeah. along your way and go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, completely just misunderstanding the diagnosis completely. Like it's way more beyond mm-hmm. just a tight vagina. So yeah. my hope is that Megan Trainer was able to get some quality uh, care follow-up from that. And then yeah. she's got a great treatment plan. That's more than just like a little bit of vagina, quote unquote, stretching because yeah. this isn't just stretching a vagina, okay. but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if she has mm-hmm. a good treatment plan um, in place but it's super important to have that holistic, comprehensive approach. I guess for women who I would say are in a similar position as Megan Trainer right now, what are some tips or like advice that you would give them in moving forward and either trying to find like a physician who can actually help them with this or like a coach? What type of advice would you have for them? Yeah. So that's hard because if you're to the point where you're reaching out to a doctor, I admire you because I know that you've gone through probably already months or years of pain and not knowing who to turn to. Um, and so if you finally do have a doctor who gives you the diagnosis of vaginismus, or even if you don't, like I do tell women, like you can start working on recovering from this without finding a doctor who can support you. And I don't want to say like, you don't need a diagnosis because it is important to get that, especially just for our mental state to have that diagnosis means a lot. But sometimes I find the trauma of finding a doctor who can find, can support us well, just adds to the layers of hurt and um, the stigma yeah. and just being gaslighted just really contributes further to the, to the vaginismus. So yeah. my first step is like, if you can find a great doctor, go for it, but do not exhaust yourself to the point of just adding to the pain by trying to find someone who can support you in this. Mm-hmm. Um and then my next step is like, yes, pelvic PT is great. I do recommend um, women go see a pelvic um, floor therapist and they can be PT or OT. Um, but so finding a good pelvic floor therapist is awesome. I know that a lot of um, pelvic floor therapists operate out of a medical model for approaching vaginismus. And that is one aspect of vaginismus. And like I said, it's it's not just a vagina problem. So sometimes when we do vaginal retraining, we're really just working on those lovely little muscles down there and getting them to cooperate and behave. But part of what I work on with my clients is you, if you get your stressed out vagina to finally cooperate with you, but your body is not set up to support it. Well, that vagina is going to jump right back into stress mode. And this is what happened for me. I mean, I had been through all of my great dilators four times. I get to the biggest dilator size, and then I could never transition to my husband. So that's when I finally realized this is not a vagina problem. I can stick the same size thing into my vagina and I can't, you know, get to my husband's penis. So what is the disconnect? Mm -hmm. And that's when I had to realize this is, this is a nervous system problem more than it is a muscular problem. So if you do see a pelvic floor therapist, recognize that they're probably going to only work with you on one aspect, unless you have an amazing floor, pelvic floor therapist, mm-hmm. they're out there. Um, but a lot of them do just operate out of a muscular medical model. 
So I, I highly, highly recommend adding in a mind-body approach towards vaginismus um, that really goes even beyond just the cognitive behavioral therapy that you need, um, but that really does a lot of nervous system work. Because if you work on the brain and then you work on the body, but you don't work on the connection between the mm -hmm. two, you still have a disconnect. You still have a dysregulation yeah. happening. And we're just missing the mark of allowing a supported vagina and a supported body, body to work together. So I work a lot with... Um, that um, neuromodulation and just getting our, our stress nervous system and our calming nervous system to talk to each other, to, mm. to work together and harmonize to really support a lovely functioning vagina that loves to accept penises or speculums or tampons or whatever else mm -hmm. might be a problem. So yeah. yeah, I do recommend mind body approach to mm -hmm. your treatment. Um, but in addition to the traditional stuff like pelvic floor yeah. therapy and dilators. And then I feel like you kind of started touching on this in that answer, but lots of times it's not only just a vaginal issue, but it's like a mind issue as well. And there's all these studies that Christian women suffer from vaginismus at higher rates than other women. What do you think that that is due to? Because we've talked a little bit about purity culture before on the podcast and like how that does relate to vaginismus. But what have you seen that correlation like in your own life or in people that you're working with? Ooh, this could be a whole conversation all of its yeah. own. I like, you know you have a lot of awesome episodes on purity culture. So I will say like purity culture um, is one major avenue for Christian women that we um, just have limitations when it comes to sex. Uh, the things that we've been told by the church, um, the things that have been taken out of context by the church, um, and just like the underlying culture that happens on the day-to-day -day workings of the church really contribute to how we view our own sexuality. Um, for me, yes, this was huge. I um, remember getting lingerie for my lingerie shower and looking at this like, oh, this, I don't want to wear this. Yeah. Like I'm not supposed to want to wear this for my husband and I know he'll like it, but I don't have the confidence for this. This mm -hmm. looks like something that's slutty and mm -hmm. I don't want to be that. And I just struggled with lingerie because I'd put it on and then I'd feel like, well, he's going to think that if I like dance too well or do certain movements mm. that I'm a, a slutty whore, like, mm. and that that's not what this should be. And so yeah. that was a huge barrier for me is like, I just did not have confidence in myself as a sexual being. I mm. just thought Jess equals like this great Christian girl and great Christian wife. And just can, that cannot equal, um, this sensual mm -hmm. sexual woman, um, that, cause that's just never what was taught to me. It was never celebrated for a woman to embrace her sexuality. It was yeah. just like, yeah, you serve your husband in marriage and you finally get to have this in marriage. Um, but, um, you, if I acted too confident, then I would feel like I'm, uh, being more like the, like society and being more like um, a Jezebel almost in a sense and yeah. not being a woman of God. So I, I mean, that was just, I mean, I had, I could write a book about all those purity culture things I had to work through, yeah. but that one specifically has just been like, I've been trying to foster a relationship now with like lingerie and embracing mm -hmm. confidence in the bedroom. Cause even though I don't have vaginismus anymore, I'm still like things that I can find as barriers that I still want to continue working through to enhance yeah my personal sexual expression and just, you know, time with my husband. Um, so yeah, lingerie and just feeling confident and feeling like I have the freedom in Christ to be confident in my sexual body and to love my vagina, to love my body, to love, you know, 
even just like doing things that seem cultural, like even a lap dance, like things mm -hmm. like that I can do. And it doesn't mean I'm any less of a Christian mm -hmm. woman. Um, and it just, it, yeah, it doesn't mean that I'm, uh, giving into culture or society or, uh, you know, a certain negative perception yeah. from the church. This is what God has designed mm -hmm. for me and my sexual self. And I, that is to be embraced and to be celebrated and to actually love that and not fear that. Yeah. What do you think? We've talked about this also specifically with like sex education or the way sex is presented, but what do you think the church's role is in talking about, I'll say sex and then even like painful sex mm -hmm. and like either like discussing that or like fostering environments for those conversations to happen? Oh, I think that's incredible. Incredible question. Um, I think it's not an because we do want to be sensitive to um, just like the beauty of marriage and sex within marriage. And we want to, we do want to preserve that in its, in, in the way that God designed it. So we want that to be a holy, beautiful experience. Um, and to, as a church, we want to support that. Um, but also we need to do a better job at preparing women for that and for allowing women to um, entertain and appreciate their sexual selves. Um, and so I think like, for, and again, I'm, I'm not a sex educator. There are definitely great ways to go about this. And there are people who do way better approaches than what I probably have experienced from, but from a personal experience, I would have loved to have been able to have conversations about what is sex? Mm -hmm. Um, how painful is it? Because that was the narrative I heard. Yeah. What is an orgasm and how do you orgasm? Mm. And anytime I did, I did try and ask a couple of women when I was engaged about this. And unfortunately the response was, I don't feel comfortable talking about that with you because you're not married. Mm. Um, and so that just like, okay, so once I'm married, then we can come back and have this conversation then, yeah. but then it's too late. Cause I'm like, I need right. to know it's coming. Uh -huh. Um, and so I would have loved to have more conversations that didn't involve, mm. oh, bring painkillers. It's going to hurt. I even had one woman tell me that I should, I should, and this, I looked up there, I should go ahead and have sex with my husband about five months before we're married so that we can get past the pain and the awkwardness and really enjoy our wedding night. Wow. I just like, okay, that's the advice you're going to give me. Like, there's mm -hmm. nothing that you can tell me about sex now that could prepare me better for my wedding night other than just like, go and do it now and just get the worst mm -hmm. over with. So is it going to be bad? Is it going to be that yeah. terrible? So if someone was willing to talk about sex with me, it was, oh, it's painful. You're probably going to bleed. Mm -hmm. Just the narrative that I think we should stop talking about. Like yeah. we need to not tell women it's painful. We need to tell them that pain is not normal. Mm -hmm. um, it can happen and what to do with that pain, but we don't, we need to stop doing the self-fulfilling prophecy that yeah. painful because then it just becomes mm -hmm. painful because we expect pain. Right which then can actually lead to vaginismus. So mm -hmm. stop that talk. And then let's promote healthy talk about that. Like, let's open up Song of Solomon and let's just like dive into that. Like that book is, should, is borderline needs to be censored from the Bible. <laughs> the Lord gave that to us. So, okay. If you want to like keep sex within the bounds of like scripture, let's go to Song of Solomon. Yeah. Let's talk about like him going down on his wife. Uh-huh. What is that's okay in marriage. And let's talk about like how he praises her breasts and like, you are allowed to praise your breasts. You're allowed to love your breasts. You don't need to like have this idea that they need to always be covered in the sense that you need to cover them in shame, like embrace them, 
Like that's yeah. it. So I think like I would have loved, loved, loved to just have healthy conversations before marriage about what is sex? How do you orgasm? Like what, what are all the parts down there? What are his yeah. parts like? How do they work together? How do they work not together? And just those conversations do have happened with women in the church that I love yeah. instead of from non-Christians who now take it and kind of like the media is doing to Megan Trainer, they right. just kind of like take the beauty out of it and make it something uh, a little raunchy. And I, I don't, that's the part of, I want to learn how to have a healthy sexuality without the raunchy mm. um, cultural driven stuff that's within the biblical context for it. And I want to be told that from a woman that can help me understand that more. And I just, yeah. it was missing. And mm. um, so I'm, I'm on a mission to change that. Yes. <laughs> I am like, on social media talking about vaginas now uh -huh. and sex and a place I never thought I would be in life, but it's so yeah. important. So I want to change that narrative and I want women to know we are going to celebrate this and we're going to talk about this and we're going to do it before you're married. Like we're yeah. going to talk about sex before you're married. I'm going to give you permission to open your mind up to this gift God has given you and not run from it and shut that door because that door stays shut past marriage. And it leads to all kinds of uh, problems with intimacy, difficulty with arousal, unable orgasm. And then of course, possibly vaginismus. So yeah. stopping those conversations now and starting the healthy conversations now is what's really, I think going to matter. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then is there anything else that you like want people to know, or you would like to tell them? Um, if you have painful uh, sex right now, I just want you to know you're not alone. That's, I think that's huge. I thought I was alone for Oh, way over eight years. I'd never met anyone else with this. But then when I read the statistic that about 22% of Christian women have painful sex and or vaginismus, it makes me realize that, oh my gosh, many of the women I'm sitting next to in church are probably struggling with this too. Mm -hmm. And so you do not have to open up an Instagram account and start talking about your vagina on social media. But I would encourage if you have pain with sex, that there is someone else there struggling too. And I would love for women to just start having conversations about this. Um, it does not have to be, again, on social media or from the pulpit or, you know, telling your Bible study class, but reach out to women that you love and trust um, and just say like, hey, it would just like my friend did, would you pray for me? This is something I'm experiencing. And then I do want to just encourage us to have an open mind because realizing like not everyone knows how to respond to that. And I, it can add more trauma when you do get gaslit with that mm -hmm. and have a, a lady from the church tell you, well, I'll just use more lube, mm -hmm. have grace with people and have kindness with people when they don't give responses that are supportive because we, we're as a society, as a church, we're learning mm -hmm. and we, but we need to have more open conversations in order to continue learning. Yeah. And so I would say you're not alone. You're not broken. God you know, gives us struggles and he gives us challenges for a reason. And, you know, like Paul talks about the thorn in his hand, we grow from them. And so vaginismus is a huge part of my testimony and growing, um, and just in my confidence with the Lord. And so, but the Lord does not design us to sit in brokenness. And I always tell my clients, like you are not broken, but your story is broken. Mm -hmm. And God is in the business of taking broken stories and turning them to beautiful narratives. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did with Jesus on the cross. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. We've just got to be willing to open our hands up and say, take my story, but you have to be able to speak up about that. So um, I am here. If any woman does want to talk, you can find me on Instagram. I'm like always on now. Um, and I love having conversations about sex and vaginas and purity culture and anything. So you can send me a message. Um, and yeah, I just want to tell women 
it's this doable. There's hope you can, you can work through this. Ah, and then if people are looking to reach out to you, where can they find you? Yeah. So like I said, I'm on Instagram. Um, I, I'm at painfree.intimacy on Instagram. I do have a Facebook group also. I have a private Facebook group where I honestly dump tons of free resources and trainings into. I couldn't find access to quality information when I was diagnosed with vaginismus. And anytime I Google search something, it often led to a sex toy site. Mm-hmm. So I want to change that and I want to get women of the ability to have access to quality materials. So I have a ton of training videos and guides within like a private Facebook group. So, um, you can find that through the link on my Instagram, or you can just search on Facebook for pain-free intimacy. And then I have a website, which is painfreeintimacy.com. Incredible. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and as always, if anyone has any questions, comments, or concerns, they can reach out to us at the holyship.podcast or, um, email us at the holyship.podcast at gmail.com. So thanks for listening.